0: This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Three, two. All right, it's Jerry Mason, The kicking Lawyer, and I have been under the weather, so I'm going to have this nice, sulky, sul- sultry voice, I guess, today. As always, I want to welcome you to another Law Talk, and don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to us on all platforms, on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all those kind of things. You can check us out. We appreciate it. Also, if you haven't already, download Inside My Head. It's free. It's by the local band, N.A. The Band, and it's available uh, wherever you listen to music, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera. We want to thank Michelle Allen. She's a longtime sponsor of the show. If you're buying, selling, renting, leasing real estate in Tennessee, she'd be glad to help you out. Uh, Just check her out. She's the local Cry Like Realtor. And uh, if you want to learn how to kick people in the face, just visit masonsmartialarts.com. We opened a second location in Millington, and that business is the one I've had the longest. It's been open since 93. Uh, So you guys, please come check us out. The Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar opens daily at 4 p.m. Saturday and Sundays we have brunch starting at 10. Uh, we'd love to have you come check us out. We have live music Friday, Saturdays, Tuesday's trivia, and we're opening a second location in Somerville, hopefully October. So check us out at cellartn.com. And then last but not least, Josh is glad to help you with your online social media presence, uh, emails, website design, commercials. Just visit MasoniteMarketing.com. And joining me today is the golden boy, Greg Anthony, right? Absolutely. And I got it right. You got it right. And you got the big belt there. So tell me about the belt.
1: The belt is uh, the AIWF World Heavyweight title. The AIWF is kind of like an NWA style uh territory system mm-hmm. uh, there's actually uh 98 promotions across 36 countries mm-hmm. and uh i i won the title in in june in dyersburg tennessee well, congratulations yeah, i appreciate that so uh, yeah, here i am you know world heavyweight champion Sweet. the golden boy greg
0: anthony congratulations where pre- are you from originally
1: so i was born in centralia illinois which uh, most people will know as the place that bottles uh, Country Bob's barbecue sauce. <laughs> okay.
2: I, I wouldn't have even known that.
1: <laughs> so uh, I was born there, and we lived in Salem, Illinois, till I was about five, mm-hmm. and then my family moved down here to Tennessee when I was about six.
0: Was there a reason they came down this way?
1: Uh, the World Color Press. Do you remember yeah, World Color so, Press? Yeah,
0: Okay. Our dad, so Josh is my brother. Okay. Our dad, uh, Jerry Mason, worked at World Color, Quebecor, World Color, when it opened to when it closed. He was literally there the whole time in maintenance. Okay. So
1: in in Covington or Mm -hmm. in Covington? Covington. He probably knows some of my family then because I had had plenty of family members that. I'm sure he would have. He
0: passed away this year, uh, earlier this year. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, but yeah, he worked there literally from when the place opened to when it shut down. You know, several years ago. So, small world then. Yeah, my
1: my grandfather, he worked in the one in Illinois and was laid off. Then my mom ended up working here until it closed. She worked Mm -hmm. there like 18
0: years until it closed. Oh, they would definitely know. What did she do? Well, she was
1: them. the one. She was the one, in Dyersburg.
0: Oh, okay. She, uh, well, they might have still had.
1: She I was in. She was in paper control. Basically, she made okay. sure that they had the right paper for the right printing. You know that kind of stuff.
0: I don't know that I knew they had one in Dyersburg. Oh yeah. So there was a World Color Press in Dyersburg, just like here in mm-hmm. Covington, both printing presses. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know what happened when you know they eventually became Quebecor, yeah. which I think was a Canadian, Canadian company, company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so That's interesting. I didn't even realize there was one there. Well, anyway, my dad did it. He, he was maintenance, so he wasn't a press man or anything, but he was in maintenance forever.
1: Yeah, she, she might have known him. She dealt with a lot of people. you mm-hmm. know. So.
0: so how did you get into wrestling?
1: So um, I've been a fan my entire life. I tell people all the time, you, my earliest memory of life is of professional wrestling. It's yeah. not of a, a birthday cake or a new bike. It's sitting on my grandmother's knee watching professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. We, like I said, we were we were in southern Illinois, so in southern Illinois we got WWF, Crockett, You know, WCW, Mm -hmm. NWA kind of thing, and we got world class. Uh So those were the three things that I really kind of grew up on. And then we moved down here to Tennessee, and one Saturday morning I'm, you know, going through the channels, and sure enough, what do I see? I see Jerry Lawler and Mm -hmm. Bill Dundee. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it was like – it was just – it was – in Illinois, there's there's wrestling promotions, independent wrestling promotions, but they're not as prevalent as they are here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in West Tennessee, you can't throw a rock without hitting a weekly wrestling promotion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's just it's it's very it tells a lot to my story that I ended up here.
0: Yeah. So who was your go to? Like who was your favorite wrestler?
1: So when I was a kid, of course, I I loved all the good guys and hated all the bad guys. So when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, kid, it was like, you know, Sting and The Ultimate Warrior and Dusty Rhodes and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. um, guys that I always kind of gravitated to and I didn't realize were guys like Beautiful Bobby Eaton, Mm -hmm. who I ended up. He and I were tag partners for two years. Oh, but cool. he But he was actually one of my heroes growing up, you know what I mean? And uh, Tully Blanchard and Aaron Anderson and Ric Flair and Ted DiBiase. And I was always very attracted to those seamless southern heels, as mm-hmm. we say. And, like, the way that they they worked their matches and their style was kind of what always, you know, drew me in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've had Jerry Lawler on before. Mm-hmm. I've had, and I've had, yeah, I think a couple of your buddies have been on before too. Sure. And uh, I I also have been a big uh, professional wrestling fan. Like yeah, I grew yeah. up on it. And, and as a kid, Jerry Lawler, because of my name's Jerry, his name's Jerry, was always obvious. But then I always liked Hogan too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you listen to a lot, of, a lot of folks from that late 70s, 80s era how they feel about Hogan. Because yeah. it's usually either they're pro Hogan or anti Hogan, you know? Yeah. Whereas everybody's kind of pro Ric Flair. But, uh, right. you know, Hogan was a polarizing guy, I guess.
1: Well, it's just, you know, obviously with him helping dismantle the territory system, mm-hmm. that's kind of one thing about it. But, yeah. of course, obviously, you know the style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. He was very lumbering and things like that. I always I always liked him myself just because, you know, he was, he was the top guy. You know, mm-hmm. say your prayers and eat your vitamins, and mm-hmm. that's what drew the money. So I understand that aspect of it. What I don't like about Hulk Hogan... <laughs> Is uh, just some of the outrageous lies he tells nowadays. Uh-huh. Like he actually tells the story that he was actually offered to be the bassist in Metallica.
0: Oh, okay. I Haven't heard that one. You
1: haven't heard that. Oh, there's a there's Cornet on his podcast. You can go on him and he basically they they outline pretty much all of his big lies mm-hmm. through the last twenty years, and it's hilarious. Huh. It's just some of the stuff. That well, he's you know, I listen.
0: think some people can tell lies long enough they don't think they're lies anymore. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it literally in their head becomes truth. Yeah. I listened to, uh, uh, oh, what is his name? The, what is the guy with the rat tail hair, Josh? Uh, comedian. Hair. Uh, Theo. Theo Vaughn. That's yeah. it. Theo Vaughn. He lives in Nashville now. We need to try to get him on this podcast. Not that he would drive <laughs> yeah. here for that. But uh, he's, I think he's hilarious. But yeah. he had, uh, I think he interviewed Hogan, too and then he interviewed yeah he did interview Hogan and then he interviewed Ric Flair right Ric Flair before the Flair one was awesome I don't right. know if you've seen it but I they they were like hanging out laughing and apparently Ric Flair is still pretty crazy still oh, partying yeah. and wild
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, had, he had that scare where he was in the, he almost died yeah and he went straight for a little bit yeah. and then he just went right back man he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna run into the wheels
0: fall off yeah so I, we and I mentioned I have known of you in the, yeah. the circuits around here I haven't actually gotten to see you see you wrestle. Um, obviously, you're good if you're holding the title. But what style of wrestling would you say you do?
1: I, I'm very old school. You know what I mean? Like, I, I believe that professional wrestling, uh, that 70s, 80s style, mm-hmm. that, that's the peak for me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think everything has its peak, and I think professional wrestling kind of hit that peak there. Mm-hmm. You can talk about money. You can talk about television ratings, all that kind of stuff. But as far as... Being split between an entertainment and a sport and what they were producing in-ring, mm-hmm. I don't think there was anything better than that time period. So, it, so that's always what I try to emulate.
0: And see, again, going back to sort of that time, I'm curious because I do watch a lot, I, and I tend to watch like 70s, 80s old matches. I tell you what I enjoy about them, and I said this, I think when we had Bam Bam on, was I like the marketing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of salesmanship that goes into wrestling. And I'm not even talking about the actual performance in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's been able to hype a match and sell your character or whatever, the, the, the storyline. And so I think a lot of people can learn from, like, I love watching Ric Flair. Like, yeah. the way he, you know, builds it up. There's some that are just really good. Even, like, if you put, like, when Hogan and Macho Man were together, you know, mm-hmm. and they played off each other as a... I can't remember what the name of it, something maniacs or whatever it was. But anyway, Mega the, powers. Uh, something like that, Hulkamaniacs or wh- whatever he called them. They uh, they did really well playing off each other, yeah. you know, and, and, and really building the match. So my point is, like, I really enjoy it. My wife makes fun of me because they'll be laying there at night, and I'm watching these oiled-up grown men, you right, know, right. arguing with each other. Uh, but I think there's lessons that you can take from it. Absolutely. So matches that stick out to you.
1: Uh, so I'd say there's two matches that I can, you can credit and or blame for me to be in professional wrestling. Uh And one is Ricky, uh, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, Uh two out of three falls from new Orleans. Um, cause that was, I was think seven years old and that was the first time I I got through watching a match and I went, okay, I, I've got to be a wrestler now because I've got to do that. You know, the second match was when I was, um, I was older, I was probably 16, 17 years old. And, uh, mankind and undertaker hell in a cell mm-hmm. and it wasn't because i wanted to get thrown off a 20 foot structure <laughs> yeah it was just because i you saw how much Mick Foley loved professional wrestling mm-hmm. to do that right and i if i knew i was going to be in professional wrestling then i'd had to love it as much as Mick Foley loved it yeah you know so those are the two matches that kind of always kind of s- stuck out to me
0: now i know dyersburg has a pretty big wrestling circuit right yeah and that's what
1: you know pro wrestling mid south the the company that i'm a part of um we do uh, events every Thursday night in Jackson, we mm-hmm. do every Friday night in Ripley, and we do every Saturday night in Dyersburg. So Pro Wrestling Mid-South runs three weekly events, and to my knowledge, I don't think there's anyone else in professional wrestling that's doing that kind of stuff.
0: No, no. And you guys, and this is a question because I was a promoter for mixed martial arts events, yeah, yeah. and early on... When I started doing it, the first one was in, like, 03 or 04. And so mm-hmm. MMA wasn't like it is now. Right. Like, it wasn't like everybody did it. Yeah. And I was one of the only guys in the area that was actively doing it. And when I would go, I was fighting. And when I would go fight on a card in, like, Memphis or something, there would be these smokers, they called them. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, you didn't know who you were fighting. It was very unprofessional. There'd be maybe a wrestling ring for us to be in that, that had some give where we needed to push off to kick, and it just wasn't stable. Right. Anyway, so I developed my own organization. It's called the High Octane Fighting Championship. Yeah, yeah. And so, the matter of fact, there's a glove from it, High Team oh, wow. Fighting Championship. Anyway, what I'm getting at is as a promoter, so I had a few things to figure out. So the cage thing was kind of new still, and I thought that I had to buy a, a ring or a cage. So I had a custom fabricated ring because I thought at the time, if the MMA thing fell off, I could always rent it to boxing, wrestling, kickboxing. Right. So we got a ring. Here's the point I'm getting at. So we started doing shows. And doing shows, like, that's hard. Like, when you do that mm-hmm. many, there's a lot of setup. You got to have the, the card made. You got to keep it interesting. Well, at the time, we had very limited MMA fighters. Yeah. Very limited. Everybody was either a kickboxer or just a karate guy. They didn't do MMA. Right. So so I had an, another system that I developed to sort of help try to build that up. I was teaching these uh, these karate schools how to create an MMA fighter. But the long and the short of what I'm getting at is this. I was having trouble filling the cards. So on a couple of cards, what I did is have professional wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So one vividly that I remember is I managed to get a hold of uh, Bill Dundee. Mm-hmm. And uh, he I had never dealt with uh, professional wrestlers like that before. And I was, like you had mentioned, I watched him wrestle. So it was like a kid having yeah, an yeah. idol come in, you know and uh so he he comes we get we get in touch with his people he comes down and he was going to wrestle brian collins you familiar with him in the in the 80s 90s he was flying brian collins and he oh. was kind of a heel that they would have come in yeah, on yeah. the uswa yeah, uh, yeah. down there so brian was kind of a local guy i knew and they were going to wrestle anyway i was the referee and so i got to in experience like them doing a match mm-hmm. right there it was very interesting Uh, Very entertaining the way they did. And he even ended up incorporating me. I've told this before, but one of my other coaches of another MMA team, sort of to make fun of it, threw a chair in the ring. Well, Dundee's a professional. Yeah. And so he grabs the chair and acts like he's going to swing it at me while I do a jump kick and knock it out of his hands. And when he realizes that I know how to do something and the crowd went all crazy, he's like, do it again. He starts playing with me on it. It was very interesting and exciting to – um, uh, to work with him like that. So I, I was just thinking about matches that I remember, and that's one. But, you know, I've always thought that instead of it being... Some people view MMA and kickboxing and stuff as a competitor to professional wrestling. But I think they they can learn from each other. I think yeah, it's good yeah. things for both.
1: Absolutely. Our, our job as professional wrestlers is to make it as believable as possible. Mm-hmm. To have suspension and disbelief. You know, so that's why, like I said, I, I'm more a style of the old school kind of stuff. Nowadays, they go out there and they, they drop each other on our heads and stuff like that. And they get up two seconds later and act like nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, as to where we... You know, I, I want I want to sell everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I want everything to look like it hurts. I want everything to be like that.
0: Well, the reality, though, and this is what I get frustrated with with a lot of MMA guys. Like, MMA guys will train hard, whatever. They end up having one fight, maybe three fights a year, right? You guys are going multiple times a week, and those bumps are not fake. No. Like you're taking legit hits, and you yeah. can look at even a lot of the the current professional wrestlers that have all these ailments and disabilities because your body's just not designed to take that. Even when it's you learn to fall properly, there's still impact. Yeah, and so I've always had tons of respect for professional wrestlers. Yeah. I think it's in the MMA community. I think is often underappreciated.
1: Yeah, I understand the MMA community is trying to distance themselves from us because mm. they don't want to be phony, whatever they, mm. whatever adjective they want to use. But like you said, you know, I run a training school too and like nine out of ten people that come try don't come back after the first day yeah you know what i mean and the bumps like tracy smothers who was a, a guy that was really good to me when i was young and became my friend and things like that you know he always used to tell me one bump is like being in a 25 mile per hour car wreck yeah you know what i mean and think how many bumps you take over your career we -hmm. have a thing called the bump card Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's 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 kind of a figment of our imagination but it's kind of a real thing too like one day you're going to take your last bump your Mm -hmm. body just can't handle it anymore and you don't know when that day is coming so everyone's got a bump card
0: yeah that's true that's true so on the the (coughs) training that you do is that the one in ripley where is the tra- where do you do training at? Training we do in Dyersburg at Dyersburg. The, at the
1: Herb Welch Russell Plex okay. in Dyersburg.
0: Okay. So
1: and um you know right now I have about twenty students you know they're all under the age of I think twenty five most of them and uh, you know they're just hungry and want to learn stuff like that and we bring guys up the right way you know we don't rush them into the ring some places you know. They'll give someone two or three sessions, and all of a sudden, okay, you're in a match Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the way we do it at all. Mm-hmm. I want I want everybody to be safe and know what they're doing and, 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 and be ready for when that time comes. So it takes me about six months to a year yeah. to get someone ring ready.
0: Well, so it, that's about the same as an MMA guy. It yeah. takes, in my opinion, you'll have some places they go, and in a month or two they're fighting. But yeah. I think six months to a year for them to have a good basic grasp, at least to not get killed when they go in there, Yeah, it's similar.
1: And then even after the year it passes, you know, I, they wrestle for us, and then I polish them out from there, you know, but it's it's, it's a process. You so know what, what I mean?
0: statistically you think, you know, you're going to have your front runners, your people that are crowd favorites, I guess. Mm-hmm. What do you think is, like, the secret science for that, like, or is there one? Like, somebody just got the wow factor or the their um, persona comes over well, or what do you think is the key?
1: Well, it's just like anything else. It's a combination of both. You know, what I mean, like we talked about Hogan. Hogan wasn't a phenomenal wrestler. He wasn't Luthez. Yeah. <clears throat> but he was six foot five, and he had the blonde hair and the, yeah. and, the and the amazing tan. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had the amazing tan, and then he had the yellow and the red like McDonald's, and you know, it was just it all worked mm-hmm. right. So for me, it's always a little bit of both. So like a guy like Brock Lesnar, for instance, I no one on earth looks like brock lesnar yeah you know what i mean like why wouldn't you buy a ticket to see a genetic freak like yeah. that you know what i mean so like there's always stuff like that but then he can back it up too and that's why i tell people too look he's the most legitimate person we have in professional wrestling right now and he just happens to be one of the top draws in professional wrestling mm-hmm. that's not you know that's not coincidence yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know there's a reason for that yeah. so for me it's always like i said it's about believability you know are we presenting something that is that people can lose themselves in and have that suspension of disbelief.
0: Do you still have in uh, the regional circuits where sometimes uh, what do they call it? Because you got you'll have to help me with the terminology. But some it, there's a work and then there's a shoot shoot and the the shoot is the one where you're you're kind of fighting, right? Is that right? Yeah, shoot is one basically
1: when someone tries to go into business for themselves.
0: Yeah. So does that still happen at all? Or oh yeah,
1: it's uh, it's happened several times. But I mean, you just you try to. Minimize as much as possible. I mean, you think about it, you're talking about grown man. It's mm-hmm. a very ego driven sport. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of testosterone involved, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. So people kind of get in their own heads sometimes. But you know, me, I've been doing this 23 years. You know, I've had 4,000 matches, mm-hmm. all the kind of stuff. So when that kind of stuff happens, we just try to calm it down. Hey, you know, this is not the way we do business. This kind of thing. You try to. I, there was one wrestler for years ago. He was he was one of my one of my guys that I I booked everywhere I went. And he just – anytime something went wrong – he made it 10 times worse. Mm. I'm sure you've met guys like that in your life before. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But... I have some clients like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, so like I don't do business with him anymore because it was just like something would go wrong and then he would just make it all that much worse and harder to fix. Mm. But in most cases, you know, most guys realize they're wrong, especially when it's coming from a veteran or someone that has a voice of reason that's going to... You know, I'm I'm not going to tell them something just for my own ego. It's, you know, this is really how the business works. Mm. You know, I'm trying to help you. And they I think they realize
0: that. So... Mm. Well, I had been interested in getting into professional wrestling uh, because, you know, my whole caricature kind of fits along with it some, yeah. you know, because I'm the kicking lawyer. And and obviously, I and uh, I had actually talked to the one of the last guests we had about going to one of his events. And uh, I forget there was a manager that he has there that's also a lawyer. And I want to say he's got a briefcase. Lucky P. Larson. That was it. And uh, that may be doing something uh, where, you know, that was like my nemesis somehow. So I've always been interested in it. I, and I always like the manager angle because, to me, the managers, they have to sell their perspective with really without being as physical usually. Mm-hmm. You know, the wrestlers at least have the physicality element to use. And so, like, when I was a kid, Downtown Bruno, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. Uh, One of my best friends, Paul. actually. Oh, really? Is he mm-hmm. still around? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love to talk to him. Downtown Bruno comes and does our events
1: probably every six weeks eight weeks oh that's awesome yeah, yeah. i
0: always thought lucky is
1: gonna be on our show thursday if you want to swing by <laughs> really really i'll
0: have to come see man look i swear i've been wanting to come see you guys we were even gonna i got a my man a man group it sounds weird a group of my friends right, right. That, that are men anyway that we'll go and do stuff just random and i've several times put on the the possibility of going and seeing some of the local wrestling and the problem is i have like no time like i I don't know if you know me or around here yeah i have several businesses and i actually go to those businesses so like i usually when i eat it's usually at my restaurant and i'm there working the restaurant i have a martial i have two martial arts schools so i usually twice a week at least working at those and then it's like this this runs right up against it my point is i'm not making excuses but it's just difficult to take the time that would be for, for myself for fun, you know, yeah, to go check I it out. But I, I, I like knowing there's that many options. I didn't realize it was three nights a week you had as an option.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've wanted, you know, kick and lawyer stuff. I, that's what I said, too. You mm-hmm. know, professional wrestling, the kick and lawyer, that's a match it's made in heaven. It's a good marriage, right? I know. I wanted you to be one of our sponsors. You yeah. know? Well, I'm sure we can
0: work something <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, I put that logo on just about anything. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's cool. Hey, tell me this. You kind of said it earlier, but you, you got a Japanese sign, a Japanese flag here. Mm-hmm. Is this organization go even through Japan and stuff?
1: Yeah, they have organizations in Japan and England and Australia mm-hmm. and some countries that I can't even tell you right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's supposed to be 36 countries, Canada, Mexico, cool. obviously. Uh, that's actually on the other. Here's Canada over on the side. Of Mexico is on that side, I yeah. think. Cool. But, like, you know, it's – um. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Like I said, you know, the end, I was part of the NWA too, which was, you know, the National Wrestling Alliance. Mm-hmm. I was a three-time NWA national heavyweight champion. And I always, you know, I had a couple shots at the world title and, you know, politics and things like that just kind of never, mm-hmm. never panned out. And now Billy Corrigan owns it. And it's not really where the NWA before was an alliance of promoters it's more like a one-man garage band. Mm. Now he just kind of makes decisions and it's like he has his little action figures that mm-hmm. he's just playing with, you know? Yeah. So for me, I looked at the AIWF and I looked at it, yeah, there's there's 98 promotions across 36 countries. Cool. You know what I mean? I have an opportunity to be their world champion. So, and I, you know, I've got the resume to prove it, so let's go for it, you nice. know what I mean? So, uh, like I said, I won it in June and I've been rocking and rolling ever since.
0: So who else is involved in the promotion that people might could see wrestlers or promoter wise?
1: So, um, like, well, just the title history itself. Like, Buddy Landell was champion. I don't know, if, you know, if you remember him or not. Mm-hmm. But like, Damian Wayne has been champion. Chris Michaels, um, former AWA tag champion. I uh, can't remember his name right now. But I mean, there's just been a ton, a ton of people. You know, I mean, there's promotions. Like I said. I think there's like 30 states that have this, you know, AIWF connection. It's there, not an actual promotion; it's just an alliance of
0: promotion. I got you. I got you. So the more well, lo- you're, governing body. More locally, specifically in your area here, who are some other wrestlers either under your tutelage or that they may get to see if they come to events? Sure.
1: Uh, the Real Foot Saint Brandon Ray. He's 24 years old. Mm-hmm. He's 300 pounds, and he is a baby bull. And he is <laughs> he is currently the uh, Pro Wrestling Mid South unified heavyweight champion and he, he he moves for a 300 pound guy he can move mm. and he hits harder than just about anyone i've ever been hit by mm. so that's one guy another guy is peyton Wee Pitts, mm-hmm. who is uh, 175 pounds soaking wet but he calls himself a superior athlete <laughs> and he uh he is pound for pound one of the best guys out there because yeah. you know he calls everybody a loser and make sure he puts you know the l on yeah, his forehead yeah, yeah. for yeah. it uh, we got a tag team called the punishment company which is thud powell And David Jason Rose, and they're kind of like the Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard Mm -hmm. of the Mid South. You know what I mean? They're very technically savvy. Thud, you know, is what a name, right? Thud, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) How many people you ever know named Thud in your life? Yeah. But that's because that's what it sounds like when he hits them, you know what I mean? So um, there's the guys, and then we got young talent like the Yellow Jacket, and, you know, just a host of other guys.
0: Yeah. So uh, for some reason, that made me think of the question I meant to ask earlier on the promotion end. So when you do these different uh, uh, events, where do you do them because that was an issue i had on promotions and do you move the same ring around or do you have multiple rings how do you set so that up i
1: have multiple rings mm-hmm. right so like thursday night uh we're in um 2970 old medina road in jackson which is i-40 take exit 83 down there and it's the old jackson tennis club is mm-hmm. what it is right so it's an old ten- it's a tennis arena mm-hmm. right but we stay set up there so mm-hmm every thursday night we just walk in and ready we're re- to ready to go friday night same thing there's a building uh, uh 207 south washington street and in, in ripley mm-hmm. that has held wrestling for 15 years yeah, it says
0: Power Pro Power, Arena, Power right? Power Pro Arena, I've exactly. It, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And, they, you know, there's been there was so many companies that came in and out of there, they just couldn't make it work. But we've been there for seven years. Mm-hmm. So we've been there the longest, obviously, and done the best with it we can. So we're there every Friday night, and everything stays set up there. And mm-hmm. then our home base really is where we started at, was in Dyersburg at the Herb Welch Wrestleplex, which is right across the street from the skating rink mm-hmm. on 1827 St. John. And um, it's just an arena. We've got actually a Hall of Champions area in the front where we've inducted people into our Hall of Fame, Hall of Champions yeah. thing. And then um, the arena itself. So everything just stays set up. You know what I mean? And we do we do spot shows, like you're talking about, where you just come in and set up and mm-hmm. tear down and leave. We're going to be wrestling at the, um, the Tiptonville... Uh, Arts and Crafts Fair mm-hmm. September thirtieth. We're going to be there at noon. You know, outside. You know, for for all the fans to see. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting. Uh,
0: yeah, I've done it. I did a couple of outside shows with the MMA promotion. Oh yeah, and that was always unique. Oh yeah, because the elements. We yeah. did one in Missouri that was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was at, it was at like. A, it was in like a parking lot, really. And the guy had kind of gated it off, but it ended up getting so humid that between each round we had to go in and try to mop up the, the yeah. humidity. It was just so sweaty, and you, you it was difficult to so function you, did on Did you
1: have, them. like, a vinyl canvas? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Those were always it, – it's it's bad either way, but, like, we'd, we'd be in the middle of summer wrestling outside somewhere, mm. and you take a bump, and it'd be, you know – 110 degrees on the mat yeah yeah yeah. just you would sizzle when yeah, bump you bump and, and like you'd have to try to get up it's like flipping then, an egg then of course when you're getting pinned mm. and the referee's trying to mess with you and he's like one
0: <laughs> two and you're like yeah, come you. on, yeah
1: dude. yeah that's funny
0: yeah so and then we had one where it rained on us and uh anyway yeah the, the outside stuff's always interesting are, are you affiliated with the ones that do um because I know several of the wrestlers sometimes can go around to different areas. But we saw some wrestlers set up at the uh, uh, Metrop- in Metropolis, Illinois, at the Superman celebration.
1: Uh, no, but I'm, I'm, I think that's Casey Gold is who you're talking about. Maybe. It's Tennessee Championship Wrestling. maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. He, me and him are friends. Uh-huh. You know, we have a working relationship, but we're not
0: That's good. So as far as that on the promotion end, do, do you communicate with other promotions and say, hey, man... You know, why don't you have your guy come try our guy or vice versa? Do y'all do any of that anymore? Well, I know back in the day they did back before. WNF. Yeah.
1: So here's here's the issue. The reason one of the main ish, reasons that I that we started our own promotion was because West Tennessee had a, a huge problem with alcohol and drugs mm. and pedophilia and really and professional wrestling. And it was one of those things that I would go tell people at Walmart that I was a professional wrestler and they would kind of snirl their nose at me be like oh you do that because it had that kind of reputation and it always really bothered me that that's what it was because i love professional wrestling as much as i do yeah so our job was to clean up so i've done a really good job as far as separating us from the
0: rest i got you
1: like these are our guys we're a You know, a family-friendly, Christian-based company, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? We have a ministry attached to our company, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So we're trying to do something different than these other people are trying to do. So we, we hold our wrestlers and their moral whatever to a higher standard. You know, we don't put up with any of the stuff that some of the other companies put up with.
0: Yeah, well, I understand that. So I'm in a, a martial arts organization that's mm-hmm. sort of a governing body for, my, for that end of what I do. Yes. It's called GTMA, and it's similar. We had separated from another organization previously, and there are other – you know, like the thing – I'm sure professional wrestling is similar to this. A lot of people will go to just, say, some karate school or jiu-jitsu school, and there's a guy in there claiming that he's the instructor. But nobody knows to check if they are or aren't. They don't right. know how to look at credentials or what their background is. Are they legit? None of that kind of stuff. Most mm-hmm. normal people don't. You yeah. know, once you're in the know, you can know. My point is, so yeah, I think it, I think that's good. It's important to have certain standards, and I understand sometimes having to separate from a pack because of that. Uh, that's difference. Stigma. That's
2: yeah.
1: stigma. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just hurting business overall, and like like I said, we're the only one before pro wrestling in south there was nobody that was pushing family friendly mm. professional wrestling it was all cussing and drinking and mm-hmm. you know flipping people off and you know cross chops and things like that and don't get me wrong when i was 18 years old and the attitude era was running wild i love that stuff yeah. you know what i mean but i'm 42 years old now, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a Christian, you mm-hmm. know. I just have a different set of beliefs now than I did, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. So we try to uh, adhere to that as much as possible.
0: I see. Well, if people want information on your programming or like how to get a hold of you or sponsorships, where do they go to look for all that? So
1: the easiest way, obviously, is Greg Anthony on Facebook, but mm-hmm. also Pro Wrestling Mid-South on Facebook. Um, the, um, You know, we have our own Instagram and YouTubes and stuff like that. Everyone can check out. The uh, main thing is, you know, we also, you know, Genesis thirty two twenty four is our ministry. You know, we hold services every Sunday night at 6 at my building in Dyersburg. You know, and that's, like I said, that's attached with us because, you know, I had, you know, I had major heart surgery in 2017. And I'm only, you know, like I said, I'm 42 now. So I was 35 at the time mm. when all that happened. And uh, it was just an eye-opening experience. So, I mean, it's uh, something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. and I, I want to try to lead as many people to Christ as I can.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm 44, and I had a heart issue at 35, also. Oh
2: wow! Yeah,
0: I didn't end up having to have surgery, but uh, it did knock me down a little bit. And so it, I, I'm actually going to the cardiologist tomorrow. Oh, uh, I
1: went today. I've got a heart monitor on right now. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, I
1: have to do that once a year so they to make yeah. sure everything's okay. But yeah. Yeah, basically, I was um, I was born with no right arteries, hmm. and no one knew. We, knew, we had no idea. And mm. I was wrestling 30-minute matches, and I started having these really intense chest pains. Mm. And at 35 years old, you don't think yeah. you have a heart issue. I'm thinking, oh, it's blood pressure. It's, yeah, yeah. it's this, it's that. It could be anything. So I would wrestle for a little bit, and then my chest would start hurting, and I would just kind of grab a hold and hold that for a little bit and let it ease off. Mm. And when it, when it eased off, I'd start wrestling again. I did that for months. Yeah. And then uh, I was on my way to a show one night, and my cardiologist, uh, we had done a scan on my heart. And uh, he called me and said, don't wrestle. He said, you know, you have uh, two seventy percent blockages in your heart and you have a 90% blockage in your Widowmaker. And I was wrestling 30 minutes and I was a breath away from heart attack. Yeah. They, no one could believe I was wrestling, number one. And then also being 35 and all the stuff we found out later. Mm. But, you know, basically what happened was they went in and they, um, they gave me open heart surgery without giving me open heart surgery mm. is what they told me. Basically, they, they stented me. Uh, but they didn't crack me open cause they, they saw how much I love professional wrestling and they were afraid if they, if they cracked me open and I was out of professional wrestling for a year, then I would be depressed and, you know, mm-hmm. there ain't no telling what would happen to my health from there on out. So yeah. they made a conscious effort to do the best they could. So they went in through my groin, <laughs> went in and cleared every, angioplasted everything out and then stented me. And then here I
0: am. Yeah. How long were you down from that? I was down four months dang okay so our dad had that years and years ago and then they tried to do that again here recently and then now i've had this new scare uh, about a week ago uh i couldn't get my breath my heart rate wouldn't drop and my left arm felt like it was numb which is all these bad signs yeah, right yeah. and so i uh went to the doctor and it, uh, they did an ekg i think ultimately my problem is stress that's what it was before i didn't realize stress can manifest physically like that oh, I, yeah. I thought you had to have something wrong with you wrong with you but Stress can do it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm hoping that I don't have any. But that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, maybe, maybe you know, you could just stint it. And Because I've just now, I so I did a, the splits in a play, Rocky Horror right. show uh, in October last year. I was Rocky. And I, so I was in Gold <laughs> Speedos, and I do the splits, and I tore yeah. my hamstring off the bone. Oh. And then in, after that surgery, during the rehab, I tear my Achilles tendon on the same leg. And so, and I've always been a big kicking guy. Like yeah, that's yeah. been my whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my whole deal is kicking. Yeah. And so, uh, but I just in the last month got back into kicking again and training just some basic stuff. I'm not sparring or anything. And so I was like, told my wife, I was like, man, I hope nothing's wrong with me, because the same way, it's such a big part of my life. I don't want to not be able to, to to do physical things.
2: Yeah.
1: It was. I mean, it was a huge scare. Obviously. I mean, what you're going through too. I mean, you know. Um, we're way too young to be going through that stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, but, yeah. you know. We,
0: well, but, everybody's different, you know. And, you know, the thing is, is, like, I have lived a, a good life. I, I feel blessed at this point. Mm-hmm. So I, every day I wake up, I literally woke up this morning, and I'm like, okay, I got another day. <laughs> you yeah. know? So I got another day to hopefully do well, some stuff.
1: I, when I do my daily prayer, I, I basically say, you know, uh, thank you, God, for yesterday and thank you for today. Yeah. That's how I start my prayer. So, I mean, I, I understand because, you know, when all that kind of stuff happens, you're, you're kind of in your own head, and like, mm-hmm. not, I went to bed a lot of nights not knowing if I would wake up the next day, and that's that's a horrible feeling to go with. It
0: is a horrible feeling, however, because I'm Christian. Also, I think more people need to understand that tomorrow's not promised. Exactly, today is a gift. Tomorrow's not promised, and so that's why you should. Ma- that people ask me all the time locally, the thing because I kind of like you. You're really active. I do a lot of stuff locally. And they're like, why or how do you do all these things? And I do think literally that every day is a gift. Yep. And it's a gift from God. And why am I going to squander this gift? Why am I going to sit here on TikTok for an hour when I could be doing something else productive? You know, spending time with family or, or whatever it is. Talking to somebody cool, new to me, you know? <laughs> right. So uh, I wish more people would take that a little more to heart.
1: Yeah, and that's, like I so our main thing with the ministry i'm not the minister by the way I,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah me neither
1: God, god's the uh in charge of the church and i'm just the secretary i guess and then we have a pastor mm-hmm. and the pastor is actually um i went to school with a girl and she works at uh lust chiropractic in uh in Dyersburg, and they're one of our sponsors mm-hmm. and i went i was by, going by there to get some of the sponsor money and stuff like that and she started asking me about my testimony and i told her how you know i've been thinking about starting my own ministry and i have this name and uh, you know that kind of thing and and I said, I can't find a pastor. And she said, well, my husband has been, you know, looking to pastor. we done youth pastoring, but he wants to get into, you know, actual pastoring. And it just, we had a lunch together, and he ended up saying a lot of the same thing I said. It's amazing how God works like that. I tell people all the time, like, I don't really believe in coincidences anymore mm-hmm. because there's been too many coincidences that ended up not being coincidences at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, God put that person in my life at that time or put this here, this opportunity in front of me for this reason,
0: you know, so. Yeah, well, I definitely think that I think it's arrogant for anyone to say they understand exactly why. I think that's possible for things like that to happen because of divine uh, yeah. you know, intervention. Have you seen the, the Oliver Anthony guys that, mm-hmm. that song? Yeah. Did you hear the backstory of what mm-hmm. happened? So, apparently, like three or four weeks before that song hit. He was in a real bad place. Like he yeah. was struggling with uh, depression and suicide and uh, lots of substance abuse. He's real honest about it. He, he did the Joe Rogan podcast, and I listened to it's it pretty good. He seems like he's a good dude. So he literally dropped down and prayed, and yeah. was like, "God, if you will, um, you know, just show me a sign that I need to be here. I will devote my life to you and whatever." And then literally within the next couple of weeks, the song hits number one on everything, and yeah. now he's everywhere, and he's yeah. taking it seriously. Like he tells everybody, that's why is you know it was basically divine intervention that God stepped in and was like look man I'm gonna use you so stuff like that can happen it can use it in all different ways so Mm -hmm. I think that's good I commend you on that part of it well
1: same thing when I won this championship the first thing I I I said in the middle of the ring I held the championship and I said all glory to God
0: you know what I mean so so I guess you're a uh baby face then oh yeah oh okay (laughs) I (laughs) said look at my face
1: so I was healed for 15 years of my Uh career and, uh, and I, when I flipped babyface, so now I'm, I'm Mr. Uh, Tracy's mother actually used to call me Dusty Lawler uh-huh. because he said I was the last territory babyface. So he was likening me to Dusty Rhodes and yeah, Jerry yeah. Lawler. Yeah. So I always kind of take that with me,
0: too. Yeah. So I asked Jerry Lawler this. Which is your preference, babyface or heel?
1: Now, babyface. Okay. Because, like I said, I do so much with the ministry and I do so much in the community and things like that. Mm-hmm. It would be almost impossible for me to be heel mm-hmm. in Dyersburg. Now, when I go to arkansas or mm-hmm. i go to california or if i go here or go there maybe you yeah, know yeah. that kind of thing yeah and it was fun while it lasted but i i, I really do enjoy being babyface now
0: nice nice what would lawler say uh he said heel no, of course he did yeah yeah well he <laughs> said it was more fun yeah he yeah. said because just like you could do more stuff right you know as the heel versus being the good guy so uh interesting
1: i like it when he i, I saw your superman stuff yeah i like it when he does the superman spot which is basically where the guy pummels him in the corner, uh-huh. right, and beats him down. The guy turns on, like, "Yeah, I got him!" Yeah, and then Lawler gets up and
0: does mm-hmm. the George Reeves, yeah. and then drops the strap. Yeah. So. <laughs> he brought me, so he was a comic book artist. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he brought me a thing he did. It's hanging in there on my Superman wall uh, of his. Uh, what do you call it? Mount Rushmore of Superman. It's oh, got yeah. all of them, and he's a really good artist. Yeah, I was really, I tell you amazing. what, I was really impressed with him because he and I, I'd, I'd known of him, kind of like you were talking about. We're roughly the same age forever. And always looked up to him. And so I was even nervous when he was going to come in here. And then I thought he would only talk for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, something. Because his time so valuable, just like yours. Yeah. Well, man, he just, I had to cut it off. Like, he was ready to go <laughs> he was forever. Going, right? Yeah, it was, it was a great. I, I enjoyed talking with him. And I always enjoy the, the wrestling perspective, too. Because, you know, it's like I said, I don't mean to keep talking about sales. But on the business end, yeah. there's so many things, correlations, that a business person can get from what people do in professional wrestling. Yeah. you got to be a good speaker. You got to be able to sell uh your whatever your storyline is and sell your position. I mean, it's there's a lot to it that I think is 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 uh, correlates.
1: Yeah, and that's and you know we talk about professional wrestling now, like Kevin Owens for instance. Like mm-hmm. I've never really been a big fan of him because he's very nonchalant about everything like the first time he showed up in wwe he was wrestling john cena who mm-hmm. was you know the biggest star in the world at the time you know and he basically comes like uh, you're not that good john i could beat you any night of the week he, he's basically underselling everything mm-hmm. you know what i mean And like why would i want to watch that match if you're telling me that you know that and mm-hmm. cena on the flip side he he made the match he oh, well this is why and he was all excited and he sold the match to everybody that's the only reason people want to see it mm. you know what i mean so like you said you have to be able to sell whatever it is you know if it's this, if this is title if it's this candle if it's you know this microphone mm-hmm. whatever it is you got to be able to tell me that this is the best microphone you've ever seen in your life
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> well and, and another point too is i think being a professional wrestler it's similar to what we try to train in uh, martial arts you got to have some self confidence oh, to yeah. do that, and so because the number one fear in the world is public speaking, mm-hmm. and you're not only speaking in public, but you're in you know tights or whatever out yeah. there doing it. That takes some confidence. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> I would think so. I, I love that bit too because like Seinfeld had said, you know, that uh, public speaking is the number one fear, which means that mm-hmm. people would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I've actually done it. I did our dad's eulogy, and I normally am not nervous talking because we do trials and stuff. But yeah. That, that was rough man that was pretty that was difficult to do
1: yeah i did my grandfather's eulogy and it was it was rough you know he was um he had a dementia and and, mm. and parkinson's like that the last eight years and i tell you like um the hardest day wasn't the day he died the hardest day was the day he didn't know who i was mm. right so i go and my mom had kind of you know had to kind of stooge me off little of it she's like she's like he, he didn't know who i was you know kind of thing so i'm like how old nope. were you this is about twelve years ago, okay. so early thirties. Mm-hmm. So like I go, okay, so I, I go to the nursing home, and sure enough, he didn't know who I was, and it was it was heartbreaking. And then um, the last uh, Father's Day, he was alive. Um, I was kind of, uh, you know, feeling sorry for myself. Like uh, I don't want to go. You know, he's not mm-hmm. gonna know who I am. You know, that kind of thing. I was, you know, I don't want to go. Blah, blah, blah. I made myself go, and I walked in. And uh, my grandmother was there, and uh, she goes, "Bob, who's that?" And he looked up, and well, I missing a beat, goes, "That's Anthony." You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, they gave me that one last moment, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So, it was always, it's always like we talked about. You, you don't know what God has in store for mm. you, you
0: know? Yeah, my granddad uh, went through a dementia bout before he passed, and it was a similar experience. Where, and then they, they, he did have one brief time of clarity there uh before he finally passed yeah so uh yeah but like we just said you, you never know i mean you need to be thankful for the people that are around you we need to fight a lot less and get along a lot more maybe watch more wrestling
1: <laughs> <laughs> at least and at least with wrestling we know who the good guys and the
2: bad guys <laughs> yeah, are yeah, you know gen- I mean?
0: generally right yeah In politics it's a little harder <laughs> it's, a, it's a good escape so uh, uh well i don't want to ask you that question uh, you uh, i was gonna you ask you about uh, the little people wrestling uh midgets yeah you ever have any little folks in there wrestling
1: no but my uh, buddy actually runs the micromania tour really
0: okay yeah, I've and, seen he, them, and, he, yeah.
1: and he goes all across the country with it I, yeah. I love him to death and they actually came to ripley a couple mm. years ago and i i went and uh got to plug our show in ripley yeah to his to those fans and stuff like that it was it was it was really good like those guys yeah. are are uh, really impressive. <laughs> oh yeah, no.
0: So I mean, a lot of and whether they're little or big, a lot of wrestlers are very skilled. But uh, maybe I was thinking about it because downtown Bruno, there was a there was a stint in Memphis wrestling where mm-hmm. he was wrestling women. And yeah. then I want to say at one point there were two little people he wrestled or something like that. He oh, was, there's no time.
1: He's done so much stuff. He yeah. calls me every other day just about, uh-huh. just to shoot the, shoot the crap yeah. and you know, kind of see what's going well, on. Well, tell him
0: you met a big fan of his. I was always a big fan of Dan. I'm sure but, uh, we
1: can probably get him on sometime if you yeah, want. Yeah, you know, I'd love to. He loves telling stories and yeah. you know, stuff like that. Well, I'd like
0: to get more of your guys on. I enjoy talking about wrestling with folks. Yeah, and yeah, so absolutely. Josh and I are always getting, uh, I mean, really, we do this every Tuesday live, and then we'll even pre-record some if it helps somebody schedule better. Sure um and we do it there's no i mean the, here, so here's why i do this podcast one i like running my mouth obviously but two um and i like talking to people i haven't met and getting to know about things maybe i didn't know about i find it interesting but it's also co-promotion like yeah. when i first started doing this a lot of local lawyers were like that's so stupid why would you do that is it because i'm arrogant or because of whatever it's because every time people watch this, people now are watching me that have never seen me because they know you, yeah. right? You share it to your stuff, they'll and they see that kicking along your logo, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I practice law in Dyersburg, you know, yeah. so it, it indirectly benefits me. Yeah. So my point is, I don't care who it is. We talk to just about anybody, right. but especially people that I can relate to with something like wrestling. I mean, I got... I gotta get your figure up here. I got Hogan's <laughs> right. I, got, I got Lawler's back here. Yeah. And uh I got my little mini belt over there. I'll have to I'll
1: have to send you a picture of my collection sometime. It's it, it can rival your your Superman. Is that subject. right?
0: Yeah, well so I'm a Superman guy, obviously, but so you got a lot of wrestling stuff? Oh man, I got tons of wrestling stuff. I've
1: got I've got a program from nineteen forty eight that has the original NWA World's Champion on it.
0: Oh, cool. You know what
1: I mean? I've got yeah i got a program from the day i was born june 5th 1981 that was like that's one of my favorite things just because yeah yeah you know i mean personal to you personal to me Mm. another thing that's personal to me is my my grandmother me and her are the only wrestling fans in our family Mm. (laughs) she's pretty much the reason that Mm. that i'm a professional wrestling fan so when she was a kid she loved wrestling too and she actually kept a little black notebook where she wrote down results of what oh, really? she, so I have that black notebook. Oh, now. that's cool. So too. that's pretty cool too. She's she actually comes to most of our shows. Well, definitely our Dyersburg shows, and she's known as the Golden Granny.
0: Right? <laughs> I like so, it. I like so so
1: everybody, more people. Yeah. Know, I think I'm, I think at this point, more people know, you know the golden, gr- golden Granny than they know me, which is <laughs> kind of sad in a way, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, so uh, my grandparents were big wrestling fans. And my granddad was one of the old school guys. If you told him it was fake, you were getting punched. Yeah. You know, it was legit. Yeah. And uh, my mother was a big fan. I remember in the 80s, I got jealous sort of for my dad because it used to be up the street here called Rollies. It was a Mm -hmm. roller skating rink here in uh, Covington. And the fabulous ones came. And uh, they came in, and they, like, didn't have the shirts on. and were over there, and people were taking pictures. And my mama and aunt, her sister, were all about <laughs> them. And I remember as a kid going, like, why do I feel like this? You know, because right, right. she liked the fabulous she ones. She liked you know? the fabulous she ones. She got a picture with them and stuff. And anyway, it's funny. But. My, uh,
1: my grandmother, you know, when she was going to shows in the 80s, she met the Fantastics, Tommy mm-hmm. Rogers and Bobby Fulton. And she got an 8x10 of them signed, you know. Yeah. Well, I end up – uh, working a show with them that was actually the last show they were ever together before Tommy passed away was uh at Wrestlemania weekend in in uh, Louisiana uh-huh. we had them in ring and I brought that with me and I had them sign it after after the show so it's signed like 30 years apart oh cool you know yeah. so that, that's one of my favorite things too
0: but we go to Josh and i go to a lot of comic conventions we mm-hmm. actually host the the Covington Comic Con we're promoters right. for that every year and, uh, and we've had some, some wrestlers at yeah, that, yeah. and we've even talked about doing a co-event, maybe having some wrestling during the weekend. Um, uh, but, but what I was going to say is we'll go into some of the bigger ones, and you'll see – I mean, you see all kinds of wrestlers. Like I saw Sergeant Slaughter at the Nashville Comic-Con and – it's just interesting to still see those guys that you've looked up to. You know, because he had a G.I. Joe figure, I remember when I was I little. want that
1: G.I. Joe figure, too. Yeah. By way.
0: I have it somewhere. Do I wish you really? I had brought it. I have the, I bought the original Sergeant Slaughter, and Did I don't you? have the accessories, but somewhere I have the figure.
1: Yeah. I re- uh, that's one of the, on my t- uh, wish list. Yeah. I, I well, really if I can it. find it, I'll just give
0: it to you. Really? It'll <laughs> mean more, I mean, not that it doesn't mean anything to me, but I think it would mean more to you. Yeah.
1: Than, I, I appreciate yeah, that. That's, yeah. that's amazing. We actually hold the, um, I was telling him, I do the, uh, the Mid-South Mini-Con in Dyersburg. Okay. Which is, you know, just just a very small one. And then my buddy Alvin Minnick does the Dyersburg Comic-Con. Yeah. So, like, we kind of co-promote kind of those together. So, like... Um, it's I love the comic concept I'm a big you know pop culture fan like mm-hmm. anyone else is movies music you know that kind of thing not so much comic books the actual comic books but mm-hmm. just like the movie versions I guess you know like yeah. kind of so I'm,
0: I'm a big comic book guy yeah, uh, yeah. It's still old school comic books uh, you know but to each his own and it, it's all support in the same type yeah nerd culture so it's all good. <laughs> right I always said I'm a big nerd it's just I'm a nerd that learned how to fight so <laughs> yeah
1: you should, we should be able to thank Big Bang Theory for that it yeah. helped it helped kind of smooth the way for a lot That's of that right. Stuff, now the know. nerds are cool yeah yeah now yeah. and theirs are kind of cool so i mean
0: well greg do me a favor and one more time tell everybody where they could find you at and find information about your promotion and whatnot
1: so it's pro wrestling mid-south we're on all the social media stuff so you know facebook uh instagram you know all that kind of stuff golden boy greg anthony i have a like page obviously but i have a friends page too if you want to contact me personally about uh like you said sponsorships or maybe something like that uh genesis 32 30- 224 ministries which is i don't know if you're familiar is actually the story of jacob wrestling god on the mountain so that's Mm -hmm. why it's wrestling that was actually the scripture that kind of drew me into christianity so uh you can find me in those places and god bless and thank you
0: (laughs) sweet well thanks for being on the show with us we did have uh travis robertson i I think he's a wrestling fan he said hi i'm sorry i didn't see your message there travis and a few other folks i'll let you comment on later But uh, I do want to thank the golden boy, Greg Anthony, for being here with us today. And I want to thank you guys for watching. As always, we'll be live on Tuesdays for another Law Talk. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or watch them. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TikTok, Facebook, you name it. We are on there. Uh, If you have not already, please go and download Inside My Head. It's by the local band, NA The Band. It is free. We're trying to help those guys get a bigger platform. They're very talented. And again, it's free, so you can't go wrong with it. And then Michelle Allen, although she's not free, she'd be glad to help you. If you're buying, selling, renting, leasing, real estate, she's your go-to in the area for any questions involving uh, that subject matter in Tennessee. She'd be glad to help you out. And then the Seller Restaurant Prohibition Bar is coming up next. First, I'm talking about Mason's High State (laughs) Martial Arts. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com. Located in Covington since 93, and we'll teach you how to do that cool kick like that. Now I want you to go to the cellar. You just visit sellertn.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. We have lots of cool events going on all the time. Good food, good drinks uh, location in Covington and one coming up in Somerville. And then Masonite Digital Marketing, Josh will help you with your brand, your email, your website design, your commercials, drones, etc. Just visit MasoniteMarketing.com. Who who we got next week, Josh? Uh, next week's that
2: pre-recorded with Marthius Wade. Oh, so I just
0: lied. I said we were going to be live, yeah, but we'll we're going to be, be pre We'll be back live the week. Oh, hey, I did go to that comic book store this weekend. I had a big Labor Day sale, and they had his comic book there. So oh, there I was go. excited to see that we had him on, and uh, you guys will get to watch that next Tuesday. All right, so thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching guys just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice this is for fun and entertainment purposes only